Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Uh, James Rossi, season offensive captain of 05, class of 2006. Another Texan uh, from Buda, Texas. Is it Buda or Buda? So it's Buda, Buda. but everybody on the football team pronounced it Buda. Okay. So yeah. like I would always hear that. James Rossi from Buda, Texas. I'm like, it's Buda, but whatever. Whatever, however you guys want to say it. And then nice. I have to go back. I So I was actually... 2007 graduate and 2006 team captain. Oh man, I screwed that up. Sorry. Well, you're the first there, so um, got it. Thanks for clearing that up. Uh, Hayes yeah. High School. That's Hayes County, right? Yep. Hayes County. So there's this guy I went to Naps with. His name was uh, Clay Wilson, and uh, looked this up on iTunes. He made this song called Hayes County Nights. Have you heard of that? I don't think so. Oh yeah, you gotta take a look. Wait, at no, it. I have seen it. I've seen it somewhere. Yeah, it's Clay Clay Wilson. He went to Naps with us, but he dropped out at Naps, and then he, you know, he he went into the whole music thing, and but he made this song called Hayes County Nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I've seen the music video before. Nice, cool. Um, you know, after uh, the academy thing, became a SWO surface warfare officer on a ship. Then you get into medical sales. With uh, Johnson and Johnson, like like the COVID shot, Johnson and Johnson, like that. Uh, I did surgical equipment, but same J and J. Gotcha. Well, that I actually got that shot. So if you know, if I ever get in trouble, I'm gonna sue you. So if I have any insider information, I'll let you know <laughs> offline. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate that. Um, became a financial advisor with Westpac Wealth Partners and. I uh, had Donald Pearson on a, a few episodes ago. The guy was super freaking smart, and he looked up to you. Yeah, he is. Uh, he spoke very highly of you in that role. Um, yeah, so that was cool. And now you're the RVP of um, Kings Barn Real Estate? Yep, that's right. Nice. All right, currently living in San Diego, working out, playing golf. Uh, and you're on the board of directors for the San Diego Food Bank. How's sure am. Yeah, just actually just got back from a board of directors meeting like an hour ago. Nice. I think everybody kind of probably can catch the drift of what that's all about. But like, what does what does the day in the life look like for you uh, filling that role? Yeah, you know, it's it's something that I'm still trying to figure out, uh, and and sometimes I, I try to figure out how I got myself into the board of directors for the food bank uh, because. So I started with the food bank a couple of years ago, probably right before, probably 2019, I think. Um, a buddy of mine invited me for a tour. They do like tours of the food bank so you can come see a presentation and get a tour of the facility and kind of figure out what they're all about. Um, and what spoke to me about the food bank in, in San Diego, you know, they talked about like how many people they feed uh, and how many military families they feed. 
because a lot of the people that are fed by the food bank are are not just like homeless people, but a lot of people who are are working but just not not quite making enough money to to feed their family uh, effectively. So you know that spoke to me because I'm a Navy brat. My dad was enlisted in the Navy. Um, my parents were like 26 when I was born. Uh, you know my dad was an E1. Uh, he was deployed, so my mom was home alone with me trying to feed me, uh, and then you know a year and a half later try to feed my sister as well. And I was a I was a pretty big baby, so there was there was a little bit of a food shortage in the Rossi household. Uh, so you know I know that a lot of families. I'm sure you saw this in the Marines too, but you know you get a lot of guys too who they join the military, they deploy, they come back, and then they get married and pop out three kids right away, and they're like 21 years old trying to figure out how they're going to feed these kids. Uh, so you know the fact that the the food bank helps people like that spoke to me a lot personally. Uh, and I, th- I do think it's a big problem too, you know, not just for people in general, but but for the military, trying to, uh, you know, that's that's a big issue, trying to make sure that people in the military have enough food for their families. Yeah. Um, Especially nowadays. Right? Yeah, I know, right? Like the price of eggs is crazy. Like I'm, we're <laughs> a huge. I know you're a big huge uh, egg guy. I mean, based off of your body yeah. bodybuilding days, uh, and we'll get there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we run through eggs over here like crazy, and it's just like. I mean, it's, it's eight times the, the price it was just, you know, maybe a year ago. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, my son is uh, almost 10 months old. And so he's starting to eat a lot of different types of food. Like we are trying to get him to try a lot of stuff. And so I'll, I always eat eggs in the morning. I'll make him like one egg uh, and then he'll eat like a couple bites of it. I have to throw away 90% of it or I'll give it to the dog. And my wife's like, Do you know how much eggs are? And I'm like, I don't know, like a nickel. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a like goal right there, I, I, buddy. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm just wasted it. Most spoiled dog in the world. Nice. Cool. Well, now in San Diego, enjoying that. Um, in, into some some memories. I got some memories from, from uh, about four guys. Bobby Doyle being the first one. Uh, he said, um, there was a time when um, your wife kicked us out of the shore club. Remember that? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. He also said that uh, he had uh, he, there was some sort of run-in with his ex-girlfriend at the time. Yeah. But, uh, both both interesting. I'll tell I'll talk about uh, the first one because you know Bobby even better than I do. But I got to hang out with him a lot when he was out here in, in San Diego, and I'm I'm definitely not the type of person to to start a fight in a bar. But Bobby is 100% that person. And so yeah. um, <laughs> if you're going to hang out with him, you, you got to be, be prepared be for prepared that. Be prepared, for sure. <laughs> and uh, we were at Shore Club watching the Navy-Notre Dame game. And, you know, there's these four. It's a, it's a big Navy bar, so there's all these Navy guys there. Uh, and there's these four Notre Dame guys there who are just, like, pushing people around and talking shit. And you can tell Bobby's just ready to fight these guys that at a moment's notice. He's just like, all right. Say the word, Bobby. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. No, understood. Uh, Jordan Young, he said, how, how does it feel going f- from the smallest center in college football to a bodybuilder in San Diego? Man, I don't know if I was the smallest center. Right? <laughs> and he said Antoine was like, you know, number two, but you were, you know, you were right there in front of him. Yeah, I think I was. I think I'm probably bigger than Antron. I don't know. I don't know how much he weighed uh, his senior year. What about that? <laughs> yeah, there you, know, you go. Go from this to that. 
Nice. <laughs> what did it take? Like, because uh, I'll jump right down to Sam Brown. He said that your bodybuilding days um, looked the way that all the O linemen planned uh, when they all started to cut their weight, but you know, never actually made it there. So yeah, you did. How'd you do that? <laughs> uh, well, so I'll, I'll go through like that was I'm trying to think of how old I was. I was probably like thirty or thirty-one in that photo that you just put put up uh, when I started doing some bodybuilding. But when I was at the academy, I lost the weight pretty quick. So I was probably like two seventy or two eighty when I when I stepped off the football field for the last time. And it was pretty easy for me to for me to lose the weight. I just it was harder for me to put on all that weight. You know, when I when I showed up at the prep school, I wasn't the biggest guy. Um, I think by the time Naps Indoc ended, I was like two fifteen. So I was pretty skinny kind of starting my, my, my football journey at the academy. Uh, and you know, we used to when I was a freshman, uh, the Domino's five 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 deal came out at the academy. I don't know if you remember that, where you get like three pizzas for five dollars. Oh yeah. So you know, you just we just find two buddies and be like, all right, we're getting pizzas tonight. <laughs> nice. And I'd be like stuffing my face just to to get as big as some of the guys that were above me, you know, because because at center I had like Shane Ton was a senior when I was a freshman, and then August was a junior. He was right behind him, and Shane's like well over three hundred pounds. August wasn't too far behind him, uh, so it was a it was a real challenge to get my weight up, and then once football was over it's kind of like all right well i can just eat what normal people eat for lunch now and for dinner and it'll, it'll come off pretty gotcha. easily so you so had to like, be deliberate with your meals like to overdo it where you know probably most people have to underdo it deliberately but yeah in your, in your what, time with went through a lot football. of yeah yeah went through a lot of recoup ate a lot of ate a lot of double bacon cheeseburgers <laughs> <laughs> horrible that was a hard. Yeah. That was a hard thing for to do, right? So, yeah, you know, uh, we didn't have like the nutrition coaches like they have now. You know, it's just like put everything in your mouth you can get in there. Nice, cool. Um, <clears throat> some more of of Sam Brown. Uh, who's Sam Brown, by the way? I don't really know the guy. I just got some feedback from him. Yeah. Okay. How'd you get connected with Sam? Uh, through Josh Smith. Okay. Yeah. So Sam was 2005 grad. So he's two years older than me. He was our starting right tackle, I believe. I could be getting that mixed up right and left, but he played tackle. Um, <laughs> let's see. When I was a freshman, I used his uh, driver's license as my fake ID. So I remember very specifically that he was from Pickerington, Ohio, because nice. <laughs> I had to memorize the address before uh, before I went to the bars with it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. He said, um, you know, you know, a couple more comments there is uh, always quiet. Worked super hard and did his job. Um, he said he found you on the bench one day um, on the way to team tables. He's like, you know, probably from the locker room going to team tables, and he caught you on the bench. Uh, he said you couldn't get up because you were cramping from a squat workout. <laughs> Remember that? That sounds about right. Dude, nice. I do. I did a lot of squats, and I cramped up a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think – there was I don't I don't know how many of us that were on like Doc Fair's dehydration list where he's giving us all the extra salt pills and uh, yeah pickle juice and all that stuff. Especially for you, but, like you're two fifteen naturally, and you're trying to like force food down your throat to try and like build weight, and you know you go out there, you you, you work the grind, and then it, it you know you sweat it out, and you know f- 
Yeah, that's that's nuts. It's a good story. I remember one day uh, after our morning two-a-day practice in fall camp, you know, they would have us weigh in, and I don't know if they did this the whole time you were there, but they would have us weigh in before practice and then weigh out after practice. In the morning practice, I lost 18 pounds Goodness. just from sweating. Yeah. So, and yeah, it wasn't uh, – the quarterback definitely didn't like it that I was sweating that much all the time right <laughs> on top of them. Sure, but, that's, uh, that's why you I keep remember, a towel there, right? Yeah. But I remember Doc Fair was like, yo, you have to drink like three gallons of fluid and put all this weight back on before practice or you can't come back out. And nice. I'm like, well, not practicing would be cool, but I also don't want to lose my spot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? It, Whatever it yeah, takes. Someone else is going to be playing that if you're not out there. Right. Uh, he did say that you made it to the tables about 30 minutes after that. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, and and I try to, you know, reach back on the people that have already, I've already talked to. Um, so that's why the Jay Young, the Bobby Doyle, reached out to Josh Smith. He gave me the Sam uh, Brown reference. And last one is Biles, uh, the latest one. He said that nobody ever had a bad thing to say about Rossi. Um, didn't have a low gear on the field or in the weight room. So. I think we're hearing that right now. It's all about the, you know, super hard work. Um, you know, never giving up, perseverance. And it's funny when you do all those things, nobody ever has a bad thing to say about you. Yeah. Right. Uh, and doesn't have a low gear, so that kind of describes, you know, James Rossi. So that's all I got, man. Let's go. What's your story? Cool. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'll start. You know, since it's all football guys, I'll start with football, right? When Because uh, that was kind of obviously what led me to the Naval Academy. Um, I started playing football in seventh grade. So I'm from Texas, just like you, small town, Buda, Texas, outside of Austin. I thought that was uh, so a yeah, big town, playing. though. So it's getting pretty big now. Uh, and yeah, so, so mine too. you know, when I was in, when I was in high school – like 5A was the biggest the biggest high schools, right? We're 5A high schools. Um, we were 4A when I started high school, and now I think they have three 5As in Buda, three 5A high schools in the Buda area, or like nice. in Hayes County. So it's grown tremendously, and it was probably already grown when I was there. I just didn't realize it uh, as much as I do now. And obviously, it's continuing to grow. A lot of people are moving there from California it's, and everything. Exactly. I was about to say, it's all those San Diegans moving that way. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a lot of them are moving back because when once summer rolls around, they're like, "No, nah, it's too hot here." I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "All right, the taxes are worth it. The cost of living's worth it. Let's go." Yeah, but uh, yeah, I started playing football in seventh grade. You know, full pad. I never played like pee wee. So just jumped right into full pad football. Uh, probably, and I don't really remember, but probably just because everybody else did it. You know, like most of the guys in in my school played football in seventh grade. Um, so it was kind of. It's funny looking looking back. My, my high school friends know this about me, but my college friends might not know this. But I was actually pretty bad at football when I started playing uh, in seventh grade. But I was fortunate because we had a we had an A, B, and C team. So our school was big enough that we had three different seventh grade football teams, which was beneficial for me because I, I was on the C team. I wasn't very good, but I got to play both ways and start both ways just because you know I was like the the fifth best or whatever but you know they got to get all the better guys were playing on the a and b team so i got some playing time kind of fell in love with it right away um you know and i still remember 
this is probably a lot of schools don't do this in seventh grade, but in seventh grade, once our football season was over, we started weightlifting and they were like, I remember my coach being like, this is a squat rack. If you want to get good at football, like you have to be good at this. And I just kind of took that to heart and took the, took all the weightlifting stuff into heart to heart because that's what they told us. And I, I believe in our coaches. Some of my coaches when I was in high school were pretty jacked too. So I was like, this guy sounds like he's nobody's looks like he's knows what he's talking about. Uh, so just kind of, I was busting my ass trying to get better in the weight room on the football field. Um, I don't think it was probably till like my junior year in high school, they moved me to center. So actually when I was a freshman and sophomore, they moved me, they talked to me about playing tight end and they realized I was too slow and couldn't catch. Uh, so they moved me to outside linebacker cause I was too skinny to play defensive end. Uh, and that, that hung out for like two weeks before they're like, all right, he's not picking this up fast enough. Just leave him at, at tackle and, I put a tackle on both sides of the ball. All right, so I gotta and ask, then, uh, why didn't the outside linebacker work, man? The uh, I think my football knowledge was kind of well below par. So you know, in the in the inside, not knowing a lot about football, you just all right, you just hit this guy in front of me and then go try to find the ball. And the outside linebacker, they're trying to have me do other things. They're like, oh, you got to drop back in coverage. You're like, oh, you've got outside contain. I'm like, coach, I don't know what these things mean. I got you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a uh, very long, and I think. You know, a lot of high schools, if, if you don't know that kind of stuff, they're just like, well, I'll just put the other guy back in. He knows it and leave him at a defensive tackle. Um, I think going into my – so we had spring ball when I was in high school. So like my sophomore spring ball, they, uh, they moved me to center. So I like started to put on some weight, um, and the other center, had, the varsity center had graduated, so they moved me to center. And it was – I hated it because, one, obviously I didn't know how to snap the football. I'm, I'm learning how to do that. And one of our best players on defense at the time was our nose guard. So every single play, I would snap the ball, and I'm, like, looking backwards to see if I even did it right. And this guy's just flat backing me every single play. And I'm like, I remember after my first practice, my coach was like, hey, the good news is once you get this, you're not going to play anybody better than him next year. I was like, well, I guess that's one way to look at it, coach. But kind of sucks today. (laughs) But, uh, you know, stuck with it. Ended up playing two years at center in high school. I always wanted to play both ways, uh, but I strained my ACL my junior year. And so I never got to, they never, my D-line coach was always telling me, because our head coach was also our O-line coach. So my D-line coach would always tell me, like, I can't put you in because if you get hurt, I'm going to get Your fired. Your head coach was an O-line coach. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And he was, he was a pretty old school coach. Yeah. He had been at the school. So I graduated high school in 2002. My head coach had been there since the school opened in the 60s. So he was the athletic director, the head coach, the O-line coach. Uh, and I think, you know, like we had our, our offensive coordinator helped out with the O-line as well, but he was the, the one making the decisions. Gotcha. Um, Sounds like so, me Yeah. So uh, I never really thought that I'd be recruited too heavily. I think I started getting some recruiting letters in the beginning of my senior year, uh, but mostly just looked at like small schools outside of or around Texas I can't remember the name of any of them, but, you know, most like Division three schools, I'm sure you probably got some letters from them or heard of them, heard of them as well. Yeah. Uh, I remember going on these recruiting visits and being like, man, these these stadiums are smaller than where I play now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like the guys would take it like, what do you guys do for fun? And like, oh, we go out to this field and drink beer. I'm like, man, that yeah. sounds like high school. Just sounds exactly like beer. high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't really sure about if I wanted to do that, but I didn't really have any other options at the time because – you know, Navy didn't start recruiting me till after uh, after the football season my senior year. So at some point in the spring, I would guess like 
probably around this time of the year, maybe a little bit later, uh, Coach Spence called my head coach to ask him about me. And he called me in and was like, hey, you know, uh, Navy called today. They're asking about you. Uh, you think you'd be interested in that? I told my head coach, no. I was like, you know what? I was like, my dad's in the Navy. Kind of sounds like it sucks. I don't want to do it. And I didn't even know, like, it's a Naval Academy. Like, you're not just joining the Navy. But I was like, no, nah, I don't want any part of that. Um, I think I told my parents about it. And my coach kind of called me back in like, a couple of days later. He was like, I think you should at least talk to this guy and, and hear him out. Uh, so yeah, then coach Spence, I know I've heard a couple of coach Spence stories on the, on your podcast. They're always hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I do for these podcasts is I make my intro, I do my memories and then I go, Hey, tell me your story. And then I make a few bullet points, like, you know, yeah. five to seven bullet points. Like if it, if it dies, talk about this. And one of them is a, a coach Spence story. So whenever you want to talk about <laughs> it, you can do that. Yeah, you know the the funny thing I, I remember him coming into my, uh, my my mom and I both met with him in my coach's office, and he was telling me all about the Naval Academy and like how you're gonna get paid when you graduate and you even get paid while you're there and all this good stuff. But all I remember about that visit is that he ate an entire box of Altoids, like he just <laughs> he just kept popping them like they were M and M's. Entire was like, box like, of Altoids, that's a new one. Yeah, I was I like, like aren't those things strong? <laughs> And my, my mom and I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, but, you know, they invited me out for a visit. I don't think it was, you know, I, I don't know what the NCAA rules are for this stuff. But I don't think it was like an official visit because it was really late in the year. It definitely wasn't one of the fun visits that most of the guys went on, like during football season. Because I flew out there. My dad and I flew out. They paired me with uh, another plebe uh, for the day. And it was during spring practice. So I remember... This guy like took me to some classes, and everybody I talked to was just like, "Do not come here. It sucks." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, well, that doesn't sound. That's not very encouraging." Nice. Um, and then I remember like walking around the yard, and we got to go to practice. I guess I'm trying to remember. It must have been in the afternoon. But I kind of feel like it was in the morning, but I think it, was, it must have been afternoon. I got to meet uh, Aaron Polanco. So I don't know if you know Aaron. He was a team yep. captain two years two years ahead of me. Oh five. Yeah, grad. He, he's the so Wimberley guy. Yeah, so he's from Wimberley. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty close. That's where my mom lives now. She lives in Wimberley. It's only nice. like 20 minutes from Hayes High School. Beautiful uh, area. Yeah, so I remember. Yeah, it's really beautiful. A lot, a lot of Californians are moving out there, too, messing it up. But, um, <laughs> no, like Aaron's. So, Aaron and I would always, once I got to the academy, Aaron and I would always be on the same flights back to, to Austin and everything. His, and especially once I started starting, his dad was always happy to see me. <laughs> nice. Like, oh my God, you're the guy who protects my son. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I came back from that visit, and you know, my parents were like, yeah, what do you think? Do you want to go there? And I was like, not really. Like, I don't really want to go. It doesn't sound very fun. It's far away, and it's cold. It was probably like 55 degrees, but to me, I was like, it's freezing cold there. I don't want to go. Yeah. Uh, and my parents were like, well, you know, we don't have any money saved up for your college, so. It's either you go there or you can go to one of these other schools and get a job. And I was like, well, I don't want to get a job either. So <laughs> I guess I guess I'll check it out. Nice. Um, yeah, but I went to Naps. Um, it, and I remember getting to Naps and going, you know, like the – did you go to Naps? I did. You did, yep. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you guys probably did this too, but we all got there a day early. All the football players get there a day early. And they got our names up in our lockers already, and we're all getting there introducing ourselves and meeting everybody. And everybody who played O-line is just towering over me. I'm, I wasn't 
so I was, I told you I was 215 when Indoc ended. I was like 235. Uh, but right next to right next to my locker room or my locker was uh, Ryan Rowling. He's like six four, over three hundred pounds, and then yep. Guyans on the other side of the locker room. He's like three hundred something pounds, uh, and we had we probably had six guys who were over three hundred pounds, and I'm two thirty, just like, and I'm the shortest. Like, man, I'm never gonna play. This is this is ridiculous. So when you um, went to Naps, were they running the option already, or were they still doing some past stuff? Yeah, we were running the option, running um, the option. and gotcha. so my. My high school ran the option as well in high school. So at least had like some familiarity with it. Um, and that probably helped me get recruited because uh, I think, I mean, I'm not sure how long Coach Spence was there. I can't remember, I can't remember if he came with uh, with Paul Johnson when he came back from Georgia Southern or not. But, um, you know, I got recruited like, after Johnson was, was back. Um, and and uh, here's another little side story. Coach Spencer would always ask me. So my quarterback in high school was Kyle Kimbrough. I don't know if you had a chance to meet him. Uh, Rings a bell. But he went He went to Naps, came into the academy, uh, moved from quarterback to wide receiver, and he got some playing time. He was on the travel squad as like a freshman, in so- or at least as a sophomore. I don't remember about freshman. Uh, but then he blew out his knee and ended up transferring before his two for seven, or yeah, two for seven. Um, but yeah, every time Coach Spence would talk to me, he would always ask me about Kyle. Hey, how's Kimbrough doing? You think Kimbrough can run the option here? And I would always think in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, did Coach Spence just recruit me so I would bring Kimbrough with me here? <laughs> hey, Spence <laughs> knew how to he knew how to network. He had the energy. He um yeah, he brought a lot of people in. Yeah. Um yeah, and Coach Spence, when I was, you know, the first time he met me in person, um, I was actually he came to my high school, I was in the gym, he came and got me. Uh, and I was like 240 maybe. I had like I, I was bigger during football season, but I cut some weight for powerlifting because I did powerlifting also in high school. Nice. Uh, so I cut some weight, and he looked at me and was like, "What do you think about playing defensive end?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah, that'd be fun too, you know, whatever." Because uh, you you know I just wasn't as big as the, the centers that they had there at the time. Um, so then I get to Naps, and all the guys are huge too. And I asked Coach Browse, I was like, "Coach, you know." Coach uh, Coach Spencer told me I could play DN if I wanted to, and he was like, "No, nah, we're moving these other two guys, and you're the starting center." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, cause I didn't expect to start at Naps, uh, but I think I, I know I started every game. I can't remember like, how many weeks into practice it was, uh, but kind of started there. Naps was a fun time, but you know, I don't know if you know Andrew Tattersall. He was my roommate yep. at Naps, and we would pretty much spend every night when we were supposed to be doing our homework, we would either be watching movies playing video games or filling out college applications because we were like, we don't want to go. Like, we were like, man, it's just going to be a backup plan. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, so, and plus at naps, like I feel like they always told you like, Oh, you're going to get kicked out. Like you're going home, blah, 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 which is, like, I think they made it seem like there was, that was a uh, more possible than it really was. Cause I remember like even during Indoc one time they brought me, me and like five other guys, they brought us all to our drill sergeants, office and told us that we were going home like that's it like you guys fucked up you're, you're getting kicked out and i was just in there like man this sucks like it was something stupid like we didn't know it was for lunch or something like that and i was like they're gonna kick yeah. us out for that uh but yeah they're so <laughs> full of shit the detailers at naps are so full of shit because yeah. there's like nobody there policing that yeah so they're, they're just, having fun right they're like yeah they're just taking it out on you this? yeah yeah nice. uh but yeah made it made it through naps showed up for plebe summer couple months later um <laughs> you know, i remember so the, the dumb things that 
you know, I did at the Naval Academy that were like so ridiculous that no one would ever care about. But like, I, I would never wanted to get my hair cut. So like, I always just push it as far as I could, even though my hair was only like the same length that it is now. Uh, but for some reason, you know, I just thought, try to push it as far as you can. So like when I graduated, I hadn't had my hair cut probably in like two months. So it was getting a little long. And then uh, I remember, again, drill sergeant being like, hey, you don't cut your hair before graduation. You're not walking. I'm like, all right, we'll see. So didn't get my hair cut. He didn't see me, so I still graduated. And then went like two months, and I show up. Same thing, plebe summer. All the football players showed up like a day. No, it was all the Napsters, I think, right? Show up a day early. Yep, I remember that. So show up show up a day early for plebe summer, and I've got like an afro. But I haven't had my hair cut. My hair stands straight up if I don't cut it. Nice. And I hadn't had my hair cut in like four months. So, and I'm in my dress blues with like my cover just resting on top of my hair because it doesn't fit anymore. And people you just are just wanted like, to ask for it, or you just wanted to make a statement. What was that all about? I don't know. It's just dumb. Gotcha. <laughs> like, and, and, and my dad was still in the navy, so he's like, he's like, you're really gonna show up like that? I'm like, who cares, dad? Like, it's <laughs> like, what are they? Get? They're just gonna, they're gonna yell at you either way when you get there. It's not like they're gonna be nice to you if you show up with short hair. Um, nice. But yeah. Uh, I think my plebe year was either the first or second year. I think it was the first year, though, that they would start pulling the plebes out of plebe summer to come to a football camp. So I know, like, during football camp, they, they pulled, they, we all got to go to practice, which was cool. And you had to like, meet all the guys uh, and then just start getting your ass beat every day. I think they kind of took it easy on you a little bit because you're like, going through plebe summer still and they want you to like, get your weight back up and everything. But, you know, I remember just the guys who were seniors when I was a freshman being enormous and just being like, man. And, and I also remember they said like, Hey, at the end of the camp, cause there was like, and there must've been like 60 of us in my class, like including all the guys from naps and maybe the guys who came in direct. And they told us like, yeah, like, you know, we're going to make some cuts after or a couple weeks into spring ball or a couple weeks into fall camp. And I was still at the point where I'm like, man, I hope I don't get cut. Like this would suck if I signed up for all this shit and then get cut, you know, a couple weeks into plebe summer. Um, so, you know, I guess I didn't recognize that I was doing pretty well, uh, cause I didn't get cut obviously. Uh, and then, you know, a few weeks into the football season, uh, I got pulled up to, to practice with varsity at least, which was cool. Nice. Um, you no, know, to, to give a shout out to the guys older than me, you know, we had, you know, Akinbemi was at nose guard. Uh, I remember, uh, chief Ralph Henry at defensive end. And these guys who are like so big, whenever I would like, whenever I was in the scout team for a couple of weeks, I would just get down to my stance and look at these guys. And I'm like, man, I'm fighting for my life over here. I got to get off the scout team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Bimmy, was kinda... <clears throat> Bimmy was a, a coach at Naps when I was there. So you were, uh, yeah. you know, so when Bimmy was, I guess, a senior, what were you? You were a sophomore? He was a senior. I was a sophomore. Sophomore. So here's a what? What were you as as a sophomore at the time? You're probably like what two forty ish. No, I played at like two seventy, two two eighty. All right. Yeah. So so Bimmy was uh, probably like what? <laughs> he was probably like three hundred pounds, but yeah. it was all muscle. <laughs> big, big dude, right? You know, I definitely yeah. remember him for being a, the big guy. So yeah, the yeah. Uh, well so. My freshman year, when uh, in the, I think it was like in the springtime, when we maxed out. So, Bemi was the strongest guy on the team. There was no question about it. Um, but I was like, man, I think I could keep up with him, at least on squats. Uh, and when we maxed out, the day we maxed out, I was sick. 
So I had to come and in like a couple of days later. That was later. the day that you were on your way to uh, team tables that you had to sit down on the. No, no, this no, was uh, a different day. That was, I think, yeah, yeah, that was like after football practice, I think. Gotcha. Uh, so that was a normal day. This is a totally different day. Got it. Yeah. So this day, so yeah, we maxed out. You know, like in the spring, at the end of the spring training or like before spring ball, we would all max out uh, on like squat bench and power clean. And I was sick that day, so I missed it. Um, I had to come in on like or the next Tuesday or something like that. Um, and Coach Wolf was with me. He was helping me and spotting me and everything. And he basically he told me, he was like, hey, this is how much Bemi did. Like, do you think you can do that much? And so I was able to kind of work the numbers because we would do like a three rep max, you know. So, like, you pick however much you want to do. You get it three times. That equals this much weight. So I was able to look at it after he had done it to be like, all right, what exactly do I need to lift to beat him by one pound? Because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> sounds, like, uh, sounds like financial planning. <laughs> Somewhat. You did your spreadsheet. You, you always got to have so. a plan. Got to have a plan, man. <laughs> uh, it's funny because, like, as an upperclassman, looking back, you know, obviously there was, there was younger guys who were the same way to me. Like, oh, man, I got to lift more than, than Rossi did. Uh, but when you're older, you don't really give a shit because you're like, like, if you're a junior or a senior, like, you know what? Those, those lift, those really heavy days are probably behind me. Uh, you know, your your knees and your back are all beat up because I don't yeah. think I think that was probably like one of the heaviest lifts I did the whole time I was there was when I was a freshman. Like after that, once I started starting, it was like I still worked out really heavy, but it's like all right, once when test day comes, like what do you really have to prove? Well, well, I need to look at my risk um, matrix and <laughs> decide yeah. not to do this so I can continue on. With, <laughs> you know, the normal day to day. I got you. Yeah, that chart where he's like, "Hey, do I want to? How much do I want to fuck around, and how much do I want to find out?" Like, I'm not exactly I'm <laughs> keep myself healthy for football season. No doubt. Cool. What's next? Yeah, so I ended. Uh, so let's see, where was I? Freshman year. So I ended up starting like midway through my sophomore year. Um, well, actually, so you know, my freshman year, I, I moved up to varsity. I was like last string center on the varsity team third third or fourth string center uh and I'm trying to think who got first august Roich, who was a three-year starter at center also was the starting center he got hurt and then shane todd who had also started three years got moved from guard to center uh and he got hurt too so now we're down two centers and i'm thinking like man i might get some playing time at some point but every time somebody got hurt, they just moved somebody else to the center ahead of me. So it was like, I was like, man, I started off third string, and now I think I'm fourth string center. But, uh, you know, I just kept moving moving down the depth chart, it seemed. But, uh, and even going into my sophomore year, you know, we still had, August was still coming back. He was a stud. So didn't really think I had a chance to, to be a starter, but tried to kind of work my butt off to be his backup and hopefully start for two years. Uh, and then, Halfway through my sophomore year, they ended up moving August to to guard, and I started at center the like the second half of the season. So after that, it was just kind of never looked back. Uh, started I don't know how many games I started in a row. I know I only I almost missed one game. I almost missed my last home game, the senior game, my senior year because I sprained my ankle. My coach Neil let me dress and start the game. I think I played like three plays. And then I was like, all right. I had enough of this. I could, like, I could barely walk. Uh, I would just snap the ball. We were playing Rutgers. No, no, that's not right. We were playing Temple. At the time, Temple was awful. So I think like five minutes into the first quarter, we're up 21 to nothing, and I'm, I'm riding the bench the rest of the game, nice. uh, which was which is good. 
uh, that's that was always you know one of my favorite parts of football is just being up by a lot and then not having to play anymore. Once you know you let everybody else, everybody else go play. <laughs> gotcha. I'm looking at the uh, <clears throat> at a article from you know the Navy football website, Navy center James Rossi leads by example and I'm trying to find and I see this you know the names of um, uh, August Dennis Ray Phillips um, you know something you said and, and this is 2005 you know uh, this year we know we're in, a, in an inexperienced squad right and, I, and we've all been there I think every, probably every Navy football class can go back to like that inexperienced year and, <laughs> and say, this is what I learned. And, you know, you say this is an inexperienced squad. Got a lot of young guys looking up to our veterans for leadership. It's all of us who must lead, mainly by example, like what you did, right? So, um, yeah. Wanted to mention those guys' names, knowing that you looked up to them. You stepped it to the plate, leading by example, um, 100%. So. Cool. Yeah, I think, you know, that was always always my attitude. Um, not a super big talker or a big rah-rah guy, uh, but more of a just put your nose to the grindstone and, and work it. Get to work, you know. Yeah, which makes uh, sense by the the memories that they came out and what what people had to say about you. So, yeah, you know, it was funny. So, I guess it was like right before graduation, my junior year. Uh, is that when it was? I think so. Uh, but Coach Johnson called me into his office after school one day, and he sat me down and he's like, "Hey," he's uh, kind of straight to the point. He's like, "Would you be surprised if I told you that?" You're a team captain for next year, and I was like, "No, not really." Uh, he was like, "Oh, I was pretty surprised." <laughs> I like <laughs> the confidence. That's yeah, awesome. I was like, "I was like, thanks, coach." I was like, "I think I'm deserving of it." But uh, no, you know, I think, but you know, there wasn't. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think there was any other. No, when I was there. It was all quarterbacks. The offensive team captains are always quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, and, and obviously I was there the first four years that he was there. So he was in the same boat. You know, all, all the previous offensive team captains were quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Brian Hampton, he was our quarterback senior year. I'm sure he was uh, probably pretty close in the, in the votes for team captain. But, uh, you know, Coach Johnson sounded like he was pretty surprised to see my name up there. Um, but, you know, I think it's just uh, kind of a testament to the work ethic that went into into all four years of playing football there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny how that worked because uh, the hard work equals results, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, and that's how things work. Like when you put in the hard work and you grind and you don't have people talking crap about you because they know you do the work. And uh, the results happen, then it just happens. So that, that makes yeah. 100% sense. And I think that's a great example of, of what Navy football does uh, to people in general. So awesome. Um, all right, so that's, that's Navy football. Anything else about Navy football before we get into your SWO days? 
Man, I'm sure I could come up with a million more things, but we'll keep pressing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we got to keep moving. Yeah. So the, uh, you, you, you so graduate, graduate, you go become a sur- surface warfare officer. Where'd you go? What'd you do? Uh, and just keep going from there. Yeah. So I graduated uh, 2007. Um, and actually, before graduation, you know, they told us, because I thought for sure that I would be TAD at the academy for a couple months, get to hang around for one more football season. Uh, but the year I was there, they said no swells were going to stay. So I think it was mostly Marines and maybe pilots as well. Um, and I know that some guys had some special circumstances who got to stay, but or like a, a galleon was injured, so he got to, he didn't deploy right away. But for, and he was a swell. So the, but for the rest of the swells, they're like, yeah, you're not staying around. Uh, so you know, graduated, showed up for my ship. Well, this this is a funny story. Uh, when I showed up for my ship, you know, I put on my my dress whites, and I was in Norfolk. Uh, so drove to I was on the USS Wasp. So whatever day the it was, I was supposed to show up. Yep. Oh man, we, Never. we that was that was one that we went to on our summer cruise that uh, you know half the crew yeah. went to and you know had some fun. So I remember <laughs> the wasp. I don't know any ships. I remember the wasp. Yeah. When was that? What year was it? Oh shoot, my sophomore year. This the the summer that me and Mark got in trouble. Uh, the wasp was on one side of the dock, and the Kearsarge was on the other, and we got in trouble on the Kearsarge. So, and you were supposed to be on the wasp. No, no, no. The, the wasp. So, like, oh. when when we did this oh, okay. uh, summer thing with all the football guys, it was like all the football guys from our group got cut into two. Some went to the wasp. Mm-hmm. Some went to the Kearsarge. Most went to the Kearsarge. But uh, the wasp definitely had a special story as well. So, I think yeah. maybe Matthews was on that one. That sounds right. I, I would have been there. Uh, nice. But yeah. So, so my first day, I showed up. I'm driving up and down the base like looking everywhere for this ship and it's a huge ship right it's a amphib i'm looking for it and i'm like man i better call somebody and ask so i call i had a point of contact it was like another incident on the ship and i called them and i was like hey i can't find the boat like, what, what pier is it and they're like oh it's pier bravo and i'm like the piers aren't lettered they're numbered uh and she's like where are you right now and i was like i'm in norfolk isn't that where the ship is and she's like no we're in canada <laughs> so you know i i did not nice. do my research prior to to showing up for my for my ship uh so i ended up just having to like hang out for a couple weeks and then they flew me to boston to to meet the ship up there which was a blast uh had a great time in boston the only time that i've not been one other time but uh the first time to boston but yeah it was a good time um you know for me going to the naval academy kind of when i when they first called me i knew that the Navy wasn't for me. And, and, you know, a lot of people that my entire way, the entire five years, including naps that I was at school, people always say like, well, you never know. You might change your mind. You might change your mind. You might change your mind. And I'm like, no, like my dad did it. He was, my dad was enlisted, but he was on a ship. So I was like, it sucks. Like my dad, my dad's always gone. Uh, it sounds like it sucks. Uh, no part of it that I want to do. Uh, so that's why I went slow. Cause I was just like, you know what? I'll just do my five years and get out of here. Five and, uh, and then I got, yep. And then I got there, and I was like, "This sucks," just like I thought it would suck. Uh, and the wasp was not—you know—I had a lot of a lot of the other people on my ship who had a lot more experience than than myself would tell me. They're like, "Yeah, this is one of the worst ships I've ever been on." Uh, so I'm like, "Well, maybe there's hope out there on, on other ships." But uh, wasn't a fun experience. Um, deployed a couple times there. Uh, you know, I've heard—you know—the I just listened to Jake's um, podcast, Jake Biles, earlier today. So, you know, I don't really have any 
you know, he's talking about going to Afghanistan and, you know, hiding in caves and shit. You know, I was on a ship, so we didn't do a lot of crazy stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, driving the ship around, pretty boring stuff. Um, and then I got stationed. Uh, so when I got, when I was up for orders, I was like, I'll do anything I can to go to San Diego. Uh, that was, that was where I wanted to end up. Yes. Um, and I kind of had, so when I was actually still at the academy, uh, like probably like a month before graduation, my, my lower back started bothering me a lot. Uh, and I went and saw one of the doctors and they were like, look, I'm just going to tell you this. Um, uh, if your back doesn't hurt bad enough where you can't walk, then just say your back doesn't hurt and graduate and deal with it another time. Cause they were like, <laughs> if you open up this, this folder, you know, we start examining your back and you know, if you get like an MRI or something like that, you might not get commissioned. And this is, you know, like a month before graduation. I was like, yeah, my mom's going to kill me if I don't get commissioned. <laughs> so, so I just kind of, you know, worked around it for a while. Um, but it started bothering me worse, worse and worse. Uh, and actually, so when I got stationed in San Diego, my ship was actually, I had to drive all my stuff to San Diego and then they were going to fly me out to meet my ship. Uh, and when I was driving, I was driving for like seven or eight hours straight. And I stopped to get gas. When I got out of the gas at a gas station, like in the middle of Arizona, like middle of nowhere or something, uh, my back locked up on me and I fell over in this gas station. And I was just laying there like, uh, <laughs> this kind of sucks. I don't really know what to do. And the guy just like got up and stretched it out a little bit and kept going. Uh, but when I got to San Diego, I went and saw a doctor and I was like, hey, like, you know, this happened to me. And they were like, oh, they told my ship. My ship was like, we don't want that guy. If he's if his back is like that, we don't want him. So uh, they canceled my orders to my ship, and I ended up being like TAD at a at a shore tour the rest of my time in San Diego, which was a blessing to be honest. Yeah, it was. Dude, it was, I miss I miss Southern California. I'm not gonna lie. I used to live in Carlsbad. I was on the 101. Had a small apartment, and yeah. I loved it. It was awesome. <laughs> Did that for a year. Yeah, it's tough to beat. Carlsbad is like the most beautiful part. Uh, that's where I was earlier today for the for the food bank uh, board of directors meeting. But uh, yeah, it was. I had probably like one of the easiest jobs in the Navy. Uh, I think when I first got out here and I when I got TAD there, I would only had to come in in the afternoon. So I'd come in at like four o'clock because the facility we worked in was uh, you needed top secret clearance to get in. So whenever there was guys doing construction or repairs, like civilians. They would call me in to come in at like four o'clock and just watch the guys do work until they were done. And I was like, "This is like whatever. If you guys you know, keep paying me to do this, this is awesome." Uh, nice. So it's kind of like a, a joke of a job, but um, you know, I had, luckily I had it really easy. Probably didn't take advantage of the of the time like I I would have advised myself looking back at it as a thirty eight year old. Um, you know, probably could have knocked out my MBA pretty easily then instead of doing it now with a kid and a wife uh and a full-time gotcha. job but uh you know had a great time out here in san diego um so when i was getting out of the navy 2000 so actually i got out like 10 years ago exactly uh so when i was getting out in 2013 i wanted to stay but i also you know wanted to get a the best job that i could get uh so i went through a couple of different like the jo recruiters i'm not sure if you did any of that when you were getting out probably uh, more yeah, so I did. I know I've met with Bradley Morris. I just can't remember at what time because I went through a couple of different ones. Um, but I went to like my first hiring conference here in San Diego and just like bombed every interview. Uh, and I was like, all right, maybe I should prepare for these a little bit more. And, and uh, I went with another group. 
I want to say it was called no it wasn't Lucas group can't remember the name of the group but um they did a lot more like interview prep with me and stuff and then they flew me the I think it was like Dallas where we did the uh all the interviews so you know you're knocking out like a dozen interviews in a day super stressful um I wanted to get into sales uh and one of the reasons was the guy who lived next door to me in San Diego was in sales and he would just tell me, like, I'd see him, like, going surfing all the time, doing all this stuff. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, like, I'm crushing it. I already hit my numbers. Don't have to worry about, you know, my quota like, uh, for the rest of the year. Like Jake says, you either make it or you don't. But, uh, yeah. yeah, sales is the place to be if you're ready to make it. Yeah, so it it's, like. I, yeah if you're doing well, it's 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 great. If uh, if you're struggling, it's a, it's a shitty place to be. But, Eat what um, you kill. Yeah. And then, you know, talking to that guy. And then just being like, yeah, you know, you, you especially, you know, for your, for a job, go to work to make money. And, you know, people are telling me like, yeah, like the sky's kind of the limit if you get into sales. If you have like an uncapped commission, you can just, if you're really busting your ass, you, know, you can make a lot of money. And it's like, well, that sounds a lot better than, than being a SWO where they keep you at work till midnight. And you don't get paid any extra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think the second hiring conference I went to, that's where I interviewed for a J&J job. So my job was with Ethicon. It's a surgical, they do surgical equipment. Uh, so I ended up taking that job. They they moved me to Pittsburgh for a year. So I thought I have a Pittsburgh cell phone still. Uh, and that was a pretty cool job, especially like starting out with my first job coming out of the uh, out of the Navy. So they sent me, They did. we did like three weeks of sales training slash medical training. We got to do surgery on like pigs and stuff and kind of experience a little bit of surgery for ourselves. They expect you to kind of be. I got to do some surgery on some pigs too before I deployed yeah <laughs> yeah and, yeah it's it's nuts and, and, and it's kind of like kept below the table and everything but yeah it's a really good experience like combat lifesaver with pigs and yeah yeah but uh that was funny my my first day so we did like three weeks of training and then they sent us the for field training with another sales guy and i'm walking into my first surgery and he looks at me and he's like he's like are you gonna be okay around blood and i was like what do you mean and he's like if there's a lot of blood are you gonna pass out or anything and I was like, I don't know. I've never seen a lot of blood before, man. <laughs> like, it's not like in the Navy, people are getting their limbs blown what? off and shit. You're, you a, you're from Texas. You never cut up a deer, you know, shot a deer, skinned it, quartered it? No, you know what? I think I've been hunting like once or twice with my dad. And we didn't we didn't shoot anything. So <laughs> it was un, unsuccessful hunting trips. Uh, but no, I was fine. And I, actually, I told the guy, I was like, yo... Like if I pass out, you gotta carry me out of there, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was a good job. Uh, I did really well in Pittsburgh. But my so I was in Pittsburgh for a year. It was like a training position. So basically, they were like, hey, you know, you're gonna do this training position with these other guys for a year, then you'll go somewhere else. Uh, I ended up in Las Vegas a year later. Uh, did it for a few more years. And I kind of knew it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, kind of, you know, as a surgical rep in Vegas, I'm pretty much just seeing all the same doctors every week and just kissing their ass and telling them how great they are. And, you know, sometimes they're nice and sometimes they're telling you you're a piece of shit. You don't know what you're doing. And it's just like, all right, this is kind of repetitive. Uh, it's a good job, but, uh, just get tired of dealing with the same assholes. Uh, I hear so, you. Yeah. So, uh. You know, it's funny, I went to another hiring conference. One of those companies hit me up and was like, hey, we're having this hiring conference in Vegas. It's only for service academy grads. So it's going to be like all of our all of our best jobs. You know, We're flying them all out to Vegas to, to meet you guys. I live there, so I'm like, oh, I might as well go 
check this out. Uh, and that's how I got into financial planning. So they were there, uh, and they actually hired me and Curtis Bass, uh, both. So I ran into Curtis there the first time I'd seen him in like five years, probably. Uh, and it was kind of, I think what happened was we were competing for this spot and they ended up just hiring both of us. Um, but it was kind of a leadership development role where they were training us to run our own financial services office. Uh, so we both got it. Uh, I only did it for six months. So the office that I was headquartered at here in San Diego, so I moved back to, when I got that job, I moved back to San Diego because uh, for that role, I was going to be traveling a lot. And I just asked, I was like, if I can move back to San Diego, that'd be better <laughs> instead of instead of Las Vegas. So they were like, yeah, yeah we're going to pay travel. for it. Yeah. yeah, but they were like, you know, we're not going to pay for your move, but if you want to move out there, you can do your thing. So I moved out to San Diego and my boss here, so I'd, I'd be at uh, financial, Cert, I'd be at Westpac where Don works uh, for two weeks at a time. And then I'd travel to other, uh, other offices for two weeks at a time. And whenever I was in San Diego, Nash, uh, Don's CEO now, uh, would always tell me like, yo, how are you going to run your own financial services office if you have never been a financial advisor before? Like you're going through this leadership training, but you don't have any experience. Uh, so eventually he convinced me to just come work for him as a financial advisor. Uh, and Nash was, I mean, he probably is like one of the best leaders that I've I've worked for professionally at least you know nice. not excluding uh football and everything but uh you know the guy was just uh, I know Don spoke about him a little bit or or uh, you brought it up to to Don but he was he's just like the most dedicated person uh and he knows like exactly where he wants to be and he knows exactly how he's going to get there like step by step 10 year plan and he wants that for everybody so he's like where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And like, this is how I'm going to push you to, to get to exactly where you want to be. Uh, so I was there for like three years, I think. Uh, I did pretty well there. I know, so Don just won a new advisor of the year at Westpac, which is based on, so it's on numbers, you know, it's not like an opinion. Uh, so he's like factually the number one guy there. Uh, um, so I think I almost got it when I was my first year. I ended up in third place, uh, and then the next year, COVID started, um, and it was kind of like, you know, working from home, and like business was starting to go down, uh, and then my new company, the company I work for right now, Kings Barn, they recruited me, and it's funny, the guy who hit me up, hit me up on LinkedIn, and he's like, hey, like, talk to me about it, like, do you know anybody who'd be a good fit for this role? Uh, you know, I'd love to meet you, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna like, meet with this guy and make him one of my clients as a financial advisor. Uh, and I met with him I didn't really think of it as like an official interview, but you know, he was kind of recruiting me and then he was like, can you fly out to meet our CEO on Friday? And I was like this Friday. <laughs> uh, so it went really quick and they made me an offer and it was kind of like, I had just gotten married. So I got married in 2020, uh, like the July 3rd, 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we had a COVID wedding. Uh, and then this was like a couple weeks later, you know, Kings Barn started recruiting me. And, you know, my wife and I had, had already started talking about having a kid. Uh, and as a financial advisor, you're pretty much commission only uh, or like some, some type of commission base. You know, it's uh, there's no no uh, guaranteed salary or anything. So then my company called me and they're like, hey, we'll offer you this much money. And I was like, yeah, I should probably take that because <laughs> so it was it was enough better that, than what I was doing. Uh, and I was like, I don't even know. I don't know exactly what you guys do yet, but I'm going to figure it out when I get there. 
Um, and it's so I work in commercial real estate now. We do Delaware statutory trusts. So basically, what we do is fractional real estate projects for 1031 exchange investors. So for people who are selling their properties here in San Diego, they can do a 1031 exchange. They don't have to pay taxes, and then invest their proceeds from their previous investment with us. Um, and so my you're speaking you know, Spanish. My, you're speaking yeah. Spanish to me, but maybe everybody else. I'm gonna say I, I can see on your face that you're not really quite like, following me, but yeah. uh, I'm like maybe Sounds someone good. else will understand. Sounds lucrative. Yeah, but awesome. Yeah, but we sell. Yeah, well, so when I first started, and even when I was leaving, you know, I told Nash at Westpac that I was going, and uh, he was like, "Man, it's a horrible time to get into real estate. Like, what are you thinking?" And like, obviously, he wanted me to stay, uh, so I wasn't really sure. I'm like, "Right, I don't know if he's because yeah, commercial at the time was like." Was, like people were bailing. They're like, COVID, yeah. commercial is like dumping stuff. And like, that's probably the perfect time to get into it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I started in like August of 2020. I don't think I closed a deal till the end, maybe one at the end of the year. Uh, and I was just kind of thinking like, man, maybe I made a mistake. I don't know if I should have done this. And then the whole next year, 2021 was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So 2021 and, and then like the first half of 2022 was just... Uh, great years for us as a company. Um, I think we grew like 500% last year. Uh, nice. And most of that was at the beginning of the year. So it's a pretty small company that I work for, but um, it's a it's a good place to be. It's, I'm doing well at it. Uh, the only downside, and I think back about having Nash as my as my CEO at Westpac when I was there, the only downside is, you know, this is my entire San Diego office. It's just me. There's nobody else here. So, gotcha. uh, you know, you don't really get that camaraderie like you did at, like I have had at other, other jobs or, uh, you know, like you have at the, like playing football or being in the military. You know, I think that's definitely a big aspect you know, for, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, me and Tattersall, we would always try to look at ways to get out of going to the Naval Academy when we were at NAPS, but you know, all the, the guys that we were such good friends with already at NAPS and the other guys we met at the Academy, you know, I think for a lot of us, that's kind of one reason that we stuck around or why we wanted to do it in the first place. Nice. Awesome. Cool. So you like it. You like what you're doing now, even though the office is small. Yeah. You know, with sit, well, so I didn't mean that my office is plenty, plenty big enough for me, but, uh, you know, I just, when I say small, it's like, it's just, you're, 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 yeah, yeah, it's just me flying solo. Uh, so sometimes, you know, I think I really, I enjoy sales and I, I'm glad I listened to Jake's uh, Jake's podcast earlier because I really enjoy the part of like being in front of people and presenting like what we do and talking to them about how it might be a good solution for for their situation or for their 1031 exchange. Uh, but you know it is a grind because a lot of times I'm just sitting here cold calling people or emailing people who don't want to talk to me. Uh, so you kind of have to keep a real positive attitude about it. It's easy to get to get down on yourself uh, if you if you don't have any experience with it. Um, but try to take it relatively lightly, you know, cause a lot of these people, I could cold call somebody and even if they tell me to fuck off, like they're not going to remember who it was. I could call them back the next day and they might say, Hey, how's it going? You know, like they might, they're not going to remember that it was me. Uh, <laughs> you know, they can't see me or anything, Yeah, which is that, a lot. That's the job you know? I need. Yeah. Uh, just in case I need to pull that trigger. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny. Well, you know, I started in medical device sales, but I remember I had a, a surgeon one time, who I recommended something to, I was like, Hey, you know, we've got this new product. I think it'd be great for this part of the procedures that you do. And she just looked at me and was like, James, you're a fucking idiot. And I was like, all right. 
Yes, ma'am. Like, she's like, I would never, I would never do that. That's a horrible idea. And I was like, all right, sorry, sorry, I brought it up. Uh, and three weeks later, she was doing it. And not only was she doing yep. it, but she thought it was her idea. She's telling me about how smart she is for doing it that way. And I'm like, all right, yep. you are. Like, a, you're, you're the smartest. <laughs> I had a boss like that where I had to like say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. They're like, no. And then the next day, it's like, hmm, maybe. Yeah. Right. So it's a similar situation. Nice. So why'd you get out? I mean, um, I think you covered it, but is, is there anything else you want to talk about? Like why you got yeah. out of the, the whole, um, you know, sorry, I put my phone down so I know you can't see me, but, um, all good. Dude, I, I knew that I never wanted to stay in. And when I got to the Navy, it was kind of exactly how I thought it would be. Um, and actually it was funny cause when I was getting out, you know, I mentioned I had like the easiest job in the Navy. So my friends were all like, you're an idiot for getting it. If you get out of the Navy, and I'm like, they're not gonna let me do this forever. It's either go back to a ship or, or get out, you know? Uh, but I remember being on a ship as a, as a service warfare officer, my main job, like I feel like what I did all day was I just routed reports up through my chain of command. And so like my chief would write this report for me and I take it to, my department head and he would chew me a new one and tell me how it's wrong and then i take it to the next department head and they would tell me how it's wrong and just yell at you they eventually get to the xo's office and you know my xo didn't know what the hell she was talking about but she'd tell me that i was wrong too and you know i remember standing outside my xo's office waiting to get in there to, to talk to her about this report and my operations officer who was an 05 and like one of the other department heads are out there just like pulling their hair out doing the same bullshit that i'm doing one of them just looks at me like, Rossi, don't do this, man. Don't don't stay in this lifestyle. <laughs> nice. And it's like the only person I knew who like really liked it. Uh, one of our other department heads, you could tell he liked it, but he also like hated his family. And it was like, yeah, he likes this because he doesn't want to be home. So it's, you know, that's not a, you know, they don't want to have that life. Uh, and nothing against people who stay in and, and do it. Like, obviously, a lot of people have very different experiences on different ships. Uh, you know, I know a couple of the guys are, uh, you know, running their own ships or like CEOs of their own ships. Uh, I listen to Gervy's podcast and he's doing amazing things, but you yeah. know, it wasn't for me for sure. And I think you know, most of the guys I know who stayed in are not swells, you know, they either lateral transferred or they weren't swells to begin with. Uh, yeah, it's all about think, fit. Like what's, what's best for you. Right. And yeah, figuring out what that is, is going to be, it's probably going to take like most people a long time i'm still in that bucket it's like yeah where's that fit gonna like be solid and that solid fit um like sounds like you're probably closer to that than than a lot of folks so um yeah yeah i like i enjoy what i do um it gives me an opportunity you know i used to hate talking in front of people uh and now i do it for a living and it's just something that nice. I had to I had to practice a lot. You know, I remember the first pep rally my senior year was me and me and Robbie, your team captains, and they're like, "Which one is he going to talk?" And we're like, "What? Like we have to say something at this? Like, there's no way we're going to talk the to other the, guy talking for all these people." <laughs> yeah, and it was actually I had the same situation when I was in high school. You know, I was just as quiet in high school as I was in college, uh, and I was team captain, and the other two team captains were quieter than I was, so I had to be the one talking at all the pep rallies and stuff. Um, but it's just something, you know, I think if you work hard at whatever you want to do, whether it's talking in front of people, if you don't like it, if you know what you're talking about and you practice it, it's not, it's not that complicated. Right. 
and especially it's not like I'm presenting thermodynamics to, to people. It's a pretty simple topic that I'm going over, uh, and it's fun. But, yeah, it gives me a good opportunity to talk in front of a lot of people. Uh, it gives me a good opportunity to kind of network a lot in San Diego. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, part of part of my goal is for to be someone who, like, makes a difference so that, like, people kind of know who I am. And I mentioned earlier, you know, the kind of, like, how I got involved with the food bank and how it's a little bit overwhelming because, you know, I go to this board of directors meeting for the food bank today. Everybody else there is on, like, multiple charitable boards uh, and doing like, they're like, oh, yeah, I just came from this board of directors meeting or I just came from this. And I'm like, this is all I do for charity-wise, which uh, is still, you know, I think I'm, I'm pulling my share. Uh, but some of the stuff they're discussing, I'm like, man, you guys are obviously on another league. And I don't know how I kind of lucked my way onto this board. But uh, when I started, so they brought in three new board three new board members to the board of directors when I started. Uh, and it was, you know, I won't say what companies, but one of them was the CEO and owner of a company that donates like a, a million pounds of food a year to the food bank. It's probably, uh, an, oil, that, it's probably an oil company. That's my <laughs> guess. Yeah. And then the other guy worked for a tech company and he's like, yeah, I personally donated like a million dollars to the food bank last year. I'm like, I'm like, man, I was like, I just donate my time. Like, I don't... <laughs> Like financially, I'm not on the same level as you guys. I don't have those type of assets to just be yeah. Dumping but money those are the, the, the people you want to be around, so you're on the right yeah. track. Exactly. Nice. Cool. If you could go back and do anything different, would you do anything differently throughout mm-hmm. your whole you know progression? You go to Navy football, go to SWO. Like, is there a, a point in that path that you would have been like, eh, I would have done this differently? You know if. It's easier to say, easy to say as a 38 year old than you know. I don't know if I could even convince my 18 year old self of this, but if I could go back, I probably would have paid attention in class a little bit more. Uh, pro- yes. And because Same. you know, there's a there's a lot of good information, and I think that you know, the effort that I put into graduating without learning anything is <laughs> could have been redirected yeah. a lot a lot better. Uh, yeah. The uh, the goal was to pass the class, not to learn, right? Yeah, and that's what I think. I had such a focus on football because that's that's why I went there, and that's kind of the the only thing that was important to me. And it's like, well, you're going to these classes, you might as well pay attention. But uh, especially even when I was at Naps, I think I, I set myself off. I had really good grades the first trimester at Naps, and then I calculated out what I needed to graduate after that, and it just pretty much set the bar really low for the rest of my. Four and a half years. <laughs> all, right, so all I have to do is make it here. So, that's... yeah. Cool. Um, through your journey, do you have a specific mentor that pops out? A single person that that helped you get through this, or was it multiple, or a few, or mentors? Um, you know, I think that. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this too, because uh, I listened to Jake's earlier. But <laughs> um, I think that that's always something that I. I've known that I should be better about, like, especially now, you know, because I am in a role where I'm the only one here. I don't have like a direct, you know, I don't report directly to anyone or have a, uh, a mentor in my company. Uh, so it's definitely something that I need to be more intentional about because I do think there's a huge benefit to that, uh, to talking to people who are, you know, a good role model for yourself or a good, uh, professional, um, influence on you because, 
you know, growing up, you always have that no matter what, right? Especially if you're playing sports, because you always have the guys who are older and bigger and, and better than you mm-hmm. are to look up to and, and try to be like that. And I think that's you know, one of the reasons I was successful uh, kind of early on at the Naval Academy is because I looked at guys like Shane, uh, Shane Todd and August Royce and, and all those guys. And I'm like, man, dude, these guys are huge. They're just demolishing me at practice every day. Like I need to be like them. Like how do I get like those guys? Uh, and that's kind of what inspired me to, to work hard and be like those guys. Cause I even remember, uh, you know, my freshman year, I squatted like just over 600 pounds as a freshman. Uh, and I remember coach folk telling me, he's like, that's a lot of weight. He's like, but Shane squatted 700 pounds when he was a freshman. And I was like, well, fuck coach, give me a minute to like, enjoy, enjoy. But you know, that's what I was like, all right, man, I'm still, I'm still gonna try to be like Shane someday. Uh, when sticking I grow you up. in the ribs. Yeah. So, you know, like playing sports, you always have, you know, you're, you're never the, the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. There's always somebody who's, who's older than you and who's better than you. Uh, you try to try to be like them. And even if, even if it's not someone on, on your team, you know, there's always, obviously there's a lot of great football players out there. So you kind of always have that mindset and be like, all right, well, I, I could be like this guy. So I think I need to be, and it's something that, I'm not just now thinking of, but I've thought of in the past and haven't taken action on it. Uh, but I definitely need to be more intentional of having like professional mentors, um, especially in the last two years, because I think when I was at Westpac, you know, I did have that. We had like a, you know, I had a manager and I had our CEO and I met with both of them pretty regularly. Uh, but that's just like having the experience of working with them has helped me a lot too. Gotcha. How about your uh, biggest opportunity that you're working through today? Your biggest, um, you know, struggle, your biggest pain point? What are you um, struggling with right now? Um, I think the biggest thing is just for me is like finding balance. Uh, now that I have a kid, I know you have three kids, right? I do. Yep. Yeah. So for me, just have my first kid. He's going to be 10 months next week. Uh, so just trying to find a balance of everything to be like, all right. You know, like obviously I want to be successful professionally, uh, but then at the same time, you know, I'm like, what's more important? Like, should I be at home spending this extra half an hour with my kid or should I be here, you know, cold calling people for another 30 minutes? And like, they're both important, obviously. Uh, and for me, you know, most of the time I'm going to be like, well, you know what? I think I, if I feel like I've done enough work, I'm like, I'm going to go home early and go see my kid. Cause in the end, you know, that's more important. Um, but also just trying to like schedule it all because obviously you know, work is important uh, and I want to be able to provide for my son. Uh, so, you know, trying to find that balance of how do I do both of those things really well uh, because they're both obviously really important. And then probably, uh, you know, the third thing that I think is easy to forget about is I got to try to be a, a good husband as well, um, which I think a lot of times kind of, probably gets neglected uh, because it's easy. You know, you know that you have to work hard to be successful at work and you know that as a new dad, you know, you have to work hard to be a good dad uh, and you may forget that you have to work hard to be a a good husband as well. It it seems like something that would be second nature, but it really isn't. Yeah. You're definitely not alone there. Um, I actually, I called Jake a couple days ago. I was like, dude, I'm sorry. I cut you off in the podcast we had. Um, when you were talking about your biggest opportunity, cause I was feeling the exact same thing. 
And what yeah. I said was, go say thank you to your wife, because that's what I told myself in my mind. I was like, dude, Tony, you need to go say thank you to your wife as Jake's <laughs> going through the exact same thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, the, I'm trying to reflect back on the Clint Bruce episode where he's talking about the, the battlefield, the, Something, something in the breakfast table, and the breakfast yeah. table being number one, and uh, and it's so easy for all of us to like keep on working hard, doing the grind, staying focused on the work, but then that that whole home thing is is so much more important now, and and uh, it's so easy to 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 let slip, and myself included, and that's why I just shared that with with you on that because uh, yeah, dude. It's it is what it is. So yeah, gotcha. What's your uh, price of admission? Man, so I, I've had some time to think about it. Cause obviously, it's been a few weeks since we first spoke, um, and it's. Uh, I guess you kind of your question is kind of open ended, right? So you, I feel like uh, the guys who are on the podcast can kind of take it anywhere, anywhere that they want. Um, but you know, when I think about price of admission and, and the Naval Academy and especially playing football at the Academy, I think it was just, and, and especially even also even going back further, like playing football in, in Texas in high school, uh, you know, it's just kind of beat into us that, you know, like if you, if you work really hard at something, you're going to see success in it. Um, and you know, that's, that's always been like what, what the way that I thought about it. Uh, and that's probably why sometimes I may struggle to like find balance of, of being a good dad because you know you want to work hard at other things uh, and being a good dad is not really that complicated right especially with a 10 month old uh, basically just lay on the ground and let him climb all over me and he's excited as could be uh, so it's not it's not something that is difficult it's just something that takes time and needs attention uh, you know kids obviously need attention um, but no that, so that was one of the things that stood out to me about Don Pearson's podcast is that he knew exactly what he wanted to be as a financial advisor and was very intentional about going and accomplishing those things. And I think that that's kind of a, a big key, right? Is if you can identify what exactly you want to do, there's already a lot of people who have been successful in that. And probably a lot of people uh, who have played football at Navy who are already in that profession and being successful. So once you, if you know exactly what you want to do, there's no real secret to being successful at it, right? You just have to go put the work into it. Yeah. No doubt. And, and we're so, <clears throat> we got, we have an awesome network. Another reason why I started doing this, um, you know, to try and connect people to whoever. And um, the talent is crazy. Yeah. The experiences are crazy. And um, the price of admission is crazy. So, yeah. Awesome. No, it's, um, uh, I enjoy listening to it, but it's, it's funny because I feel more connected to the guys when I listen to their podcast. But you know, like, obviously, they don't know that I listen to it. Or uh, sometimes I'll text them and tell them I listen to it or something. Um, nice. But yeah, it's good to hear good. from everybody. It, it almost feels like a false sense of connection, right? You're actually being – you're benefiting from it the most, right? You get to connect with everybody. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm talking to people I've never talked to before. Like, 
dude, even with you, like, yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, and I also think that uh, you need to take a look outside your window and show me how that sunset's looking. Oh, you're seeing the reflection of it too, huh? I see the reflection. Let see. Yeah, let me see yeah. that uh, California sunset. Let's see. There it is. Oh, there it is. I missed that. Dude, I don't That's know awesome. if uh, I don't know if you follow golf much, but the Farmers Open is happening right now here in San Diego, uh, and it's probably right right over there where the sunset is. That's where the golf course is too. Nice, big money. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, that's all I had. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we close this thing out? Mm. Dude, I'll give you – so you didn't ask me, but I'll give you one quick Coach Johnson story because I already yes. thought of one. I thought of a couple because uh, I know you asked some of the other guys. Perfect. Excuse, excuse me. Um, and, and so, like, obviously there's a lot of stories that everybody knows. I try to think of some stories that were more personal to me that people might not know about. Um so I mentioned like my sophomore year at some like midway through the season, I got pulled up. They told me I was going to be working. They didn't tell me like, Hey, you're starting this game, but they're like, Hey, we're going to work in with the ones at practice, kind of see how it goes. I'm like, all right. So I practiced a couple of days with starters. And I started telling my roommate, like, yo, I think I might be starting this weekend. Like I'm pretty getting pretty excited about it. And then like the Thursday before the game, this article comes out and wags asked coach Johnson. He's like, Hey coach. He's like, we saw, uh, I saw Rossi in there. Uh, with the first string, is is he going to be starting at center this week? And Coach Johnson's re- response was, "Who? Like, who's Rossi?" <laughs> he was like, yeah. uh, "Sounds like you know, Cameron Marshall." Yeah, he was like, "Rossi, your center." And he was like, "What position does he play? Center?" He's like, "I don't know." Uh, like, the article is just uh, like verbatim, you know, quotes of like what he's, his response is. Um, so I get back to my room and it's already out. My roommate's like. Yeah, you told me you were starting this weekend. Coach Johnson doesn't even know who you are. But <laughs> I'm like, nice. just like, man, because uh, I remember Coach Johnson had told us he, he's like, yeah, he's, he told us. I think probably like my freshman year, he said something like, like, yeah, when I talk to the press, he's like, I'm gonna tell them how great the other teams are and how you know we'll be lucky if we can keep up with them and shit like that. Because he likes playing those mind games with the other teams. Yeah, like, I'm not giving him anything. Definitely to, his style. To hang in the locker room. Yeah, I, I go to school the next day. I got kids like. Yo, you've been on the team for two years. How come nobody knows who you are? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, thanks, coach. Like, nice. I, I got it. I knew, I knew what he was doing, but I'm like, not trying to explain it to everybody else. But nice. he taught you a good, good lesson. He taught us all a good lesson when he does those things. So yeah, awesome. You got another one? Dude, the other one I was thinking about. This is a quick one. We were, I think it was like spring ball or something. We we're playing on one of those ratty old football fields, like practice fields. And we run, run the midline, right behind me, and the ball is in like a crater because the field's not even flat. So when I go to snap it, it hits the, the lip of this crater. It just falls yep. out of my hand, goes back, big fumble. Everybody's yelling and jumping on the ball. And Coach Johnson just rips into me. And he's like, you're so fucking tired and lazy. You can't even get the fucking snap up. And I'm just like, <laughs> like you know, you can't tell him, like, oh, there's a you know, it's because of this. It's not because I'm tired. So he just he just looks. I think we're going ones on ones too. So he just looks at the yeah. defense and he's like, "We're gonna keep running the fucking midline till Rossi's not fucking tired anymore." And I'm just like, "Well, this sucks." <laughs> yeah, that's some that's some echelon front extreme ownership right there. That's what that is. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, running awesome. running the play, ball right up the middle when the defense knows exactly what's coming. It's not the most fun thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, dude, uh, really good conversation tonight. I, I like. I really enjoyed like while you weren't um, like while you were talking and everything. I was watching that sun go down, and and thank you for showing <laughs> me the the sunset of that Southern yeah, California man. thing because I, I I missed that really bad. Um, but awesome combo. Um, and tell the family I said hello tonight. I will. You do the same, man. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. Awesome. Thanks. All right, have a good night.